Welcome, everyone, to the Apocalypse Podcast. I'm Steve. He is Dr. Van Beek. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, uh, did you miss us, everyone? Because because we missed you. We did. (laughs) (laughs) Though we don't know who you are. I love you, random citizen. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. 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 We don't even have visions of who you are. We're just, we we feel positive things about you. That's all we can say. (laughs) (laughs) Folks, thanks for waiting for us. As, as we went through many, uh, many times of uh, being away from the podcasting, Mike, um, we're glad to be back with you. And Blair, tonight we're going to take a look at Micah. We are. We are looking at Micah, Steve. And, <clears throat> and it is another prophet, very much like Amos. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a prophet from Judah. He's talking to Israel, a little bit to Judah as well. This this guy's talking to both of them a bit. Okay. And um, it you know, one of the interesting things about this uh, whole thing even though we're going to be reading the same type of thing again that we read in Amos and, and Joel and mm-hmm. and the others, is how many prophets God sent to his people before he uh, before he actually destroyed them. Yeah. And some of the messages like Amos's were really harsh. And uh, Micah is going to be a little harsh and a little, a little um, you know, consoling at the same time. He's yeah. going to do a bit of both. Yeah. And he's about the same time as, as Amos and them. His period, they figure, was somewhere between 750, remember the great earthquake, and 686. So he would have been a prophet through the beginning of the Assyrian captivity. Oh, yeah. So remember the Assyrian captivity. um, So around 734 to 732, a guy named Tiglath-Pileser III. So he would have been the head of Assyria at that time, remember? Yeah. And you remember Judah was going went through a really wealthy time because because Assyria and them were all busy fighting with others. Right. And they left they left um Israel. Did I say Judah? They left Israel alone and Judah too. Um and they they went through this time of prosperity because they weren't in the midst of of war. And um and that's that's of course what the prophets are talking to them about. Well, mm. Tiglath-Pileser in 734 he took over. Oh, he actually a few. He he did. He took over Philistia, mm-hmm. the Philistines. So so Gath and Ash, Ashdod would have been the cities probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and he took over Edom and Ammon, and Moab. So remember, Edom. Those are the sons of Esau, the Edomites, right? Uh, Edomians. And then and then Moab and Ammon. Those those were the two sons of Lot. The Moabites and the Ammonites were the were the mm-hmm. sons of Lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, mm-hmm. Lot's daughters had had sons with yep. him. Yep. Those are the Moabites and the Ammonites. Yep. And so Tiglath-Pileser <clears throat> took over all of these people. Then he and then he took over Damascus as well. So that's that's Syria, right? right. Or Aram, they called it at that time, but it's Syria. And then um, around seven thirty two, seven thirty one, he uh, actually takes over Samaria mm. as well. And Samaria is the capital city of Israel. When you get into the New Testament, they always just talk about the Samaritans. They never talk about Israel anymore, just about the Samaritans. And so Tiglath-Pileser takes over all of this area. They become, you know, they're they're one of the first superpowers. I guess Egypt might have been one of the first superpowers. Mm -hmm. Um, um, And then these guys are now, now the superpower of their day. Right. And they take over all this. They're going to lose out to Babylon you know, in, you know, well, they're going to yeah. be there for, a, for over a hundred years. 
I right. think before before Babylon starts taking over Assyria as well, before they reach their height of power. Good thing if you're watching countries, just think about these guys back then and think, yeah. you know, when you're watching these little countries, just be aware that, you know, remember we said in the 1990s, we said, uh, I think the whole world could rise against the United States and lose. Yeah. And, you know, this is, that was 30 years ago. And we're not saying that anymore about the United no. States, are we? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, now, now we're not so sure. Uh, well, we're, we're pretty sure that's not the case anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, 30 years ago, I don't think Russia would have, would have taken a chance on, yeah. on stepping into Ukraine the way they have. Yeah. I just read a thing on the Ukraine saying that, that it was back in, was it the nineties or the late eighties that they, that they actually had, a big chunk of the nuclear weapons and they, mm -hmm. they, they gave them up willingly yeah. and were told that nobody would ever attack them. Um, so I don't think anybody's given up their nuclear weapons anymore. <laughs> <laughs> if they have them, they're going to say, yeah, I think I'm going to hang on to these things. Actually come to think of it. I think, I think I'll just keep a few of them. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah, a few. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just a couple pointed at you. <laughs> <laughs> Like in the old, like in the old cowboy movies, where he yeah. holds the gun on the main guy, and he says, "But there's thirty of us." He says, "Yeah, but you will be the first to die," <laughs> and they all back off and, and go away because you know, yeah. no nobody minds losing their men, but no one wants to die themselves. Yeah. So, so the prophets are talking to Israel, and God has sent, He has sent several prophets to Israel, and Micah is one of these. They we don't know really too much about Micah. We know he comes from a place called Morasheth. Um, and, uh, he was a contemporary of Isaiah. He was mm -hmm. around that same time and he talked a little bit like Isaiah did. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so let's, uh, so that's Micah, that's Micah okay. and we can, we can start getting in and, and what were you saying? They're the, that's the bright little chips in your, in your rock or pieces of Micah. That's right. That's right. In granite, there is. Something and Micah. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the other yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And we were saying for Micah is, is the cheap countertops that we used to have. That's right. That's right. Which both of us still have, you and I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which says, uh, you know, remodeling wasn't all that important to us. <laughs> well, and it all, yeah, it also says that, you know, we don't want our dishes to shatter every time they we drop them on the counter. So, so true. Yeah. So true. But here, here we. Oh, I'll let you read. I'll let you read uh, a few. And here I was about to say, gosh, it is so good to be back doing this again, my friend. Yeah. Okay, Micah one, folks. Uh, the word of the Lord came to Micah of Morasheth, which I believe is just outside of Jerusalem. No, I don't know that. I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> during during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, Hezekiah, the kings of Judah, the vision he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. Hear, you peoples, all of you, listen, earth, and all who live in it, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you, the Lord from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is coming down, is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him, and the valleys split apart, like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. This is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. What is Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria? What is Ju Judah's high place? Is it not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria a heap of rubble and a place for planting vineyards. I will pour her stones into the valley and lay bare her foundations. All her idols will be broken to pieces. All her temple gifts will be burned with fire. I will destroy all her images. She 
since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes, as the wages of prostitutes, again, they will be used. Yeah, so so he kind of flips back and forth, right? He's, he's talking about Samaria, which is Israel, and Jerusalem, um, which is the capital. So you've got the capital of Israel and the capital of Judah. That's what he's talking about, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, he, and this is kind of neat. He says, the Lord comes down from his dwelling place. He's coming down from on high, and the mountains are going to melt, and the valleys are going to split apart, and it's going to be like wax in the fire. So, you, you know, you put wax in the fire, and it yep. melts, and it flows down. And this is because of Jacob's transgression. And what's interesting here is, I think, is when we read this, we don't actually think that the mountains are going to melt, right. right? Right. And we don't we don't actually think these valleys are going to split apart. When we read it in the New Testament, we tend to think it's going to happen. <laughs> so when Jesus steps on the Mount of Olives and it splits in half, everybody thinks, "Yeah, that's probably going to happen. The mount is going to split. It's going to split, right?" And um, and you know the mountains are gonna people are gonna cry for the mountains to fall on them in Revelation, and this stuff is really gonna happen. When we read it in the Old Testament, for some reason, we we kind of clue in that this is figurative language, hmm. talking about judgment. When we read it in the New Testament, we want it to be literal. We read it in the Old Testament, we can accept that it's figurative. I think I see where you're trying to go with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and this is the stuff that the New Testament guys used. For their writing too, right? Um, remember, we saw that so many times when we were when we're looking at Revelation, and we look at this, and we go, "Wow, that that sounds like this is where John got that stuff." Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of just just a little interesting that way, right? The moon, the moon turning to blood, and and things like that. Um, Can I ask you a dumb question? Is is that a is that a like a nineteenth and twentieth century invention? Of this is how we now we interpret that language very literally, where those in like the New Testament early church would have seen it very figuratively. Yeah, I well, I think I think there have been literalists all along. Mm. Um, so there would have been literalists back then as well. But our literalists came, we usually say that came mainly from the fundamental movement. Mm-hmm. You know, in the mid eighteen hundreds, um, you know, and that's that's when you got Darby and all those guys starting up. Right. But the but the fundamentalists were that that was a backlash against what they called German historical criticism. Mm-hmm. So the the Germans were looking at, and it was actually Germans, and and they were looking at this stuff, and they were they were forming all these different criticisms, and looking at everything very figuratively, and and um, groups of Christians that were more conservative said we've got to defend the the authority and that's everything the authority of scripture infallibility of scripture so scripture will not fail inerrancy that there's no error in scripture and they they started saying like there's no way there can be any errors in scripture um and and it caused them and it was it was we kind of needed the fundamentalists because they oh, yeah. protected our view of the bible right right, right? And yet, and yet, um, I like I can look at stuff figuratively and and have no trouble with it. And I can see, I can see things that we would say are errors, and think that that's not necessarily an error. It's just a literary way of speaking. Yeah. So when Jesus said the mustard seed was the smallest seed, people came later and went, "Wow, there's smaller seeds than the mustard seed." You know, Jesus didn't know what he was talking about. We're saying, no, he was saying, you know, guys, this is a really tiny seed. That this is the smallest one you guys work with. And look what right. it becomes. It becomes this massive plant. Right. 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 And 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 there are places where the one guy said, I was in Zechariah, he says, or, or or one of the prophets. And I'm like, I love that because he's there, they the the authors of scripture, or some of them, 
anyway, yeah. we're not nearly as fussy. They they weren't nearly yeah. as technical as we are. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, well, and sorry for that aside, but I was just curious no. It's that. just that, and when my friends become really loose with scripture, like like um, some of the guys I work with, it still scares me. I, I'm like, no, I don't want you to go there because. I, I trust myself. I don't really trust you guys so much <laughs> with how you with how you handle the word of God. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay, but that guy over there. Oh, he he's <laughs> nuts. He's nuts. It's yeah, like when yeah. people because I did my doctorate in Enoch, of course. And when people come to me and start saying, Oh, yeah, I'm I'm right into Enoch and I read Enoch all the time, I'm like, Ooh, I don't want to spend any time with this guy. He's crazy. <laughs> this guy's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic! Yeah. And yet, okay. I believe in angels for today. Yeah, I just heard—I just heard some guy saying there's only three things that the Americans believe in. Um, I, I and and the second one was angels. I can't remember what the first one was, but the second one was um, most of their adults believe in angels. And I thought, well, I don't see any problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> what, I, what are you talking about? Okay, so I pick it up at verse eight then. Yeah. Oh, the the first thing was incarceration. Um, the highest highest uh, percentage of their population incarcerated, and the second one was adults believing in angels. So, so yeah. Well, we didn't finish this too much. Oh, okay. Did we? Sorry. So, so that's what he's saying. He's saying, look, what he's saying to them is there. There is there is great distress that's going to come. Hmm. You know, Samaria is going to be a heap of rubble, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Your idols are going to be broken into pieces. And then when he says, you gathered your wages from prostitutes, your wages of prostitution. It's one of those weird things. We, we're we pretty certain when they say the wages of prostitution here, that they're talking about idolatry and they're talking about accepting the views of other countries so that, that you can, like you're prostituting yourself with them mm-hmm. by accepting their views so that you can have trade with them and things like that. Right, right. Basically, like when the Roman emperor said, everybody has to worship me. And John said, you can't. And they and the, the Christians would say, look, if we don't if we don't say, you know, Domitian, Domitian, we love you. We love you. Um, we, we will we will not be able to buy or sell. And he says, I know that this isn't real. And I know it seems like not a big deal, but it is a big deal and you can't do it. Yeah. And and so that that is the other form of prostitution. But yet when Hosea marries a prostitute. We're really quite certain that he married a prostitute. Yeah. Yeah. And that she wasn't just a person of the land and the land was within prostitution, because people say that. We're really pretty sure that it was it was an actual prostitute. An actual married. prostitute, yeah. Yeah. And then she went and married someone else and he bought her back, remember? Yeah. yeah. And and about, crazy, crazy things. Talk that, about an object lesson from just like yeah, my field. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's there's got to be times you say, "Why am I doing this, God?" Mm-hmm. And then He can say, "Well, you know, I could have made you. <laughs> you could have been Hosea, <laughs> yeah, 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 or or Elijah, and lie on your side for years, you know." Yes, yeah, and, oh yeah, yeah, and and, and all of the weird oh. things that He did with His prophets, yeah. So anyway, but what He's saying is is you know the the time is coming, and so now we're in. Every time I see weeping and mourning, I I think of of the coming of Jesus rather than, than what he's talking mm-hmm. about here. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel is weeping for her children. There's a, a thing about that. Yeah. But that's not this. This is something else. Okay. Yeah. Good reference. Uh, folks, picking it up at verse 8 then. Because of this, I will weep and wail. I will go about barefoot and naked. 
I will howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. For Samaria's plague is incurable. It has spread to Judah. It has reached the very gate of my people, even to Jerusalem itself. Tell it not in Gath. Weep not at all. In Beth Ophrah? Yeah, we can say Oprah if we want. I, that's, I wanted to say Oprah, but I thought that's not quite what it is. Oprah. Yeah. So <laughs> Oprah means, so Beth Oprah is house of dust, by the way. Oh, okay. That makes that sense. Is. Because the next line is, in Beth Oprah, roll in the dust. Yeah. Pass by naked and in shame. Those who live in Shafir. Those who live in Zanon will not come out. Beth Ezel is in mourning. It no longer protects you. Those who live in Merith writhe in pain, waiting for relief. Because disaster has come from the Lord, even to the gates, even to the gate of Jerusalem. You who live in Lachish, harness fast horses to the chariot. You are where the sin of daughter of the of daughter Zion began. For the transgressions of Israel were found in you. Therefore, you will give parting gifts to Morish Gath. The town of Akazib will prove de deceptive to the kings of Israel. I will bring a conqueror against you, you who live in Marashah. The nobles of Israel will flee to Adullam. Shave your head in mourning, mourning, for the children in whom you delight. Make yourself bald as bald as a vulture, as the vulture, for they will go to you, or go from you into exile. Yeah, and we don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about where every one of these places is, but he, he's picking out different places um, uh, throughout the land and just saying, you know. You people in these places, you're going to, you know, you're going to go into mourning. You're not going to be protected. You're going to writhe in pain. Disaster is going to come. Um, Lashish was one of the largest cities in Judah. It was oh, a very large city. I don't know if it was the largest. Uh, Jerusalem was the capital, of course. You know, um, you you are where the sin of Zion began and the transgressions of Israel. And, of course, Israel is the main sinner, but 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 Judah sinned as well against God. Um, they did things right. They had the right priesthood and they, they had those things right where Israel had all of it wrong. Yeah. But, but this, um, this turning away from God happened right, right, right through the land, right from mm. the top. Now, Hezekiah had many reforms that, that brought Judah back around. And some think that that was one of the reasons that, that Judah actually held on for another hundred years mm. was because of some of these reforms. Yeah. I don't know if we can pl place that on Canada. Um, I still remember, uh, one of my old teachers, um, he, he really felt that, that it was the Christian population that was keeping Canada okay for the period hmm. of time. And, and it's one of those weird things where you look at Canada right now and you go, there's not a lot of Christianity in Canada anymore. And, and our leadership is, is definitely opposed to Christianity. Mm -hmm. Trudeau is definitely opposed um to any form of christianity and, and any of those kind of reforms and and he would say and that's why god's judgment is coming upon us but as we said canada never really really was a christian country in the way that maybe the united states even was um we were we've always been uh, uh, quite a bit different than that yeah so i don't think you can look at this and and point to that unless god actually comes to us and says no no this is coming on you yeah yeah. Even though every time I say this, I go home and, and Lynn will say to me, no, I think it is us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like you said, often, you know, it could be, but it just, it's hard to, 
I, it's hard for me to wrap my mind around new covenant and then deal with nations in the same way that they deal with nations in the Old Testament. Yeah, and when and even when you're reading Old Testament, um, a lot of stuff is to that specific community. Like a lot yeah. of the laws in Leviticus are specifically for for the Jewish people of that time. Mm-hmm. Like they were were very much for them. You know, the parapet around your roof, and you know yeah. all that kind of stuff, and and some of the rules about dealing with Gentiles. I mean that that wasn't for anybody but them. Yeah, and we know that some some stuff is very specific. Like when Paul says you know, bring my coat and come before winter. We know that he's not talking to us because <laughs> it's too late. <laughs> I got a coat. <laughs> I picked one up at a yard sale just in case he still needs one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but, uh, but is that, I guess that's out of those, the dispensational and the preterist type views of like, this is going to be a judgment on the nations. It makes sense. Then if you don't hold to that, you're kind of wondering that you cannot apply those old Testament country things to a new testament mindset yeah although although the one thing you can apply is these people weren't serving god and they were being there they were yeah. being punished and and yeah. we do need to wake up and yeah. like continue to serve god like we do yeah. need to serve god yeah, yeah. um but yeah. he's going to offer them some more peace as as these chapters go on um he just he's just prepared right now for for all of this stuff I, I don't get the walking around naked. I don't think God had him walk around naked, but he say, it's just such a shameful thing to do mm-hmm. for them. Yeah, you know, for us it might not be that big a deal, but yeah, but um, but but for them it was it was this nakedness was a very shameful thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because this is a culture where shame actually matters, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and and like. And and you protected your your daughters and 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 you know um, there's there's one version of scripture where where they use the term maiden. Um, this is New Testament, of course, but they use the term maiden about Mary, and and people are just furious and say, no, it's virgin. Hmm. And I always say, yeah, you know, in that day, they kind of thought it was the same thing, right? <laughs> yeah, it may not, you know, maybe not so much today, but in in their day, that wasn't there wasn't a big distinction between yeah. those two. Right, right, um, and and people people worked very hard to protect that kind of right. thing. Right? Right. But for the Jewish people, like you had to marry within within the community. You, a Jewish person had to marry a Jewish person, yeah. And it was huge if you wanted to marry someone from outside. You just could not do it. Yeah, yeah. And for Jewish people, even today, um, like for Orthodox, you don't marry outside of your faith. Mm-hmm. And so, so all of that says that this stuff was pointing he was pointing specifically toward these people and this this um this time that was coming yeah so maybe if we want to know what's coming for us we need to spend the time in prayer and say what's what what is it for us god yeah oh yeah. gosh that is such a great great word there my friend yeah. that, that's probably plenty for today i guess hey eh, steve like that's I, I thought we were going to go on to two but i think we've done enough oh we you you kidding? The 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 knowledge just flew out of us. <laughs> I was going to say the damage has been done. I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, take that for what you will, everyone. But no, folks. <laughs> what an interesting way to take a take a look at how God is speaking to his his chosen nations, um, one that has fallen and gone away, and the other that is right on the precipice of falling over. And like Larry said, right? I mean, I love what you said there. 
Bud, when you said, you know, Hezekiah brought reforms, but they were still only 100 years away from being, you know, consumed by Babylonia, uh, by the Babylons, I should say, uh, which for some reason I thought of Battlestar Galactica. I don't know what I thought. <laughs> Why did that come into my head? <laughs> I don't know. It's been a long time since we've done this and a lot of really weird things are going on. But uh, folks, thanks so much for joining us. That was just a, a great introduction to, to Micah. And uh, you can see kind of, like Larry says, Mike is going to go hard at them and then back off a little bit and then probably go hard at them again and keep that kind of, that pace up. So not unlike how sometimes it happens in our own life, that sometimes we're very critical and, and we feel God's pushing us. And then sometimes he backs off and just holds us when we need to be held because we're in trouble. Folks, thanks so much for joining us. We so appreciate it. It's good to be back among you. And uh, you'll notice I said nothing about Larry's appearance this week. <laughs> but until next time, I'm Steve. He was Larry. And this is the Apocalypse Podcast. <laughs>